You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. We will read together the verses 21 through 31. This is very close to the beginning of a new section in Isaiah, a section which begins, comfort, comfort, my people. These words are written for the benefit of the Israelites in exile, and even for the Israelites as they anticipate exile, and the word that comes to them in their troubled state from the Lord is a word of comfort, the words inspired by the Holy Spirit, the word of God that we read now beginning at verse 21 of Isaiah chapter 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Our text this morning is Psalm 121. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
The Lord watches over you. That's the resounding theme of Psalm 121. May that be the resounding theme of the Word of God as it comes to you this morning. The Lord watches over you. Psalm 121 is a beautiful psalm. It's a well-known psalm. There may be a few like Psalm 23 which are more familiar, but there are not many. This is an extremely well-loved, well-used, well-read psalm. And as we come to it this morning, we need to realize it's not only well-loved by us, but this has been given to us by God himself, this psalm, and the words of comfort that it speaks. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit for the benefit and the blessing of God's children. And when you read this psalm, you immediately get a sense of that. And it's a psalm that it's fitting on so many occasions. And it has been used fittingly on many occasions. It's affectionately known as the traveling psalm. Many families have read this psalm together before they embarked on a long journey, a big road trip, as they traveled overseas, or as a father sent his daughter off to a foreign land before she immigrated to that distant country, reading the words of Psalm 121. It's been read to those who are ailing, in the hospital, in old age homes. It's one that's been reflected on by God's children as they run up against all sorts of things, events, troubles in the course of their busy lives. It's a beautiful and a well-known psalm, but yet this psalm is one that we need to look at closely. In doing so, I think it becomes even more beautiful and fitting. For all its beauty, it does lead us, leave us with some perplexing questions. And poetry does that, doesn't it? Poetry is written very tightly, very economical in its words, and these songs of a sense are especially economical, tight, and compact as they're written. The author doesn't explain everything that's going on for us, and so we have to do the work of figuring out what he's saying. That's really part of the joy of these shorter psalms. It's part of the journey, is thinking deeply, studying them deeply to understand what the author, what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us in these words. And we come to a perplexing question, really, with the very beginning, very familiar words of the first verse of the psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? If any of you are familiar with the King James Version, then you know that it's a little different there. In that version it says, Lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. So that version has said, I lift my eyes to the hills, and that's where my help comes from. 
in that understanding, where is the help coming from? Well, this is a song of ascent. This is a, a psalm of a, a pilgrim traveling on the journey to Jerusalem, the journey up to Jerusalem. And as they would travel, the thought is then that they would see the hills of Jerusalem, Mount Zion, God's holy city. And they would say, I lift up my eyes to those hills, to the hill of Mount Zion. And I know that my help comes from the Lord. It's a beautiful thought, but it does not do the best justice to the psalm. The NIV gets it right as it's before us, when they pose it as a question. From where does my help come? And then you have another option, because we need to remember that the Israelites lived among the Canaanites. They lived among pagans. They lived among idol worshippers. And in fact, very many times in their history, they participated in that same idol worship. And so to lift up your eyes to the hills was to lift up your eyes to the high places where the the altars to the gods were placed. The idea was that the gods lived up in those hills, or that at least those hills were very close to where the gods did live. And so you would build an altar there, you would build your high places, your temples, on the top of the hills. And when you faced trouble, you would go there, go to the hills, worship there, sacrifice on those altars to those pagan gods. I lift my eyes to the hills, to the high places, and I ask from where... Does my help come? That's another option. There is a third one. I hope you're not getting too confused by all these options. There is a third one. And it seems the one that fits the best with this psalm. Because as the pilgrim would journey, yes, they may see the hills of Jerusalem. But even more, they would see the hills of their journey. The hills that were all around them. The hills that would hide all sorts of danger. As you didn't know what was over that next cliff, that next rise, that next mountain. Is there a storm on the way that's going to wash us away? Is there a band of thieves and robbers that's going to come? Is there some Philistine raiding party that's going to come through this pass, this road that we are on, on our way to Jerusalem. Those hills that surrounded the road were full of dangers, were full of trouble, were full of the possibility of pain and affliction for the pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem. The journey was very difficult. And this is a psalm that's all about The journey. And it seems, yes, it is so fitting that as they would make that journey, looking to the hills, wondering where their help comes from, that those that experience became a metaphor for their lives. Became a metaphor for the the journey of life. And when you look out and you survey the landscape and there are all sorts of dangers on the horizon and it makes it begs the question, it forces you to ask Where does my help come from? Is that not the question that we still face today on our journey? As we travel to the heavenly Jerusalem, as we are on the path that God has put us on, the one which he 
illuminates by his word, the one upon which we are to walk. Is that not the question that we face in life? There are these threats, sometimes direct, most often not direct. But there are these things on the horizon that threaten us, that we wonder about, that that really threaten our livelihood, our existence, our safety, our security. And so the question before us constantly in our lives is where does my help come from? As you face those dangers, you realize your need for help. Where does my help come from? You may not know what the trouble is. You may not know when that affliction is going to strike you. But you do know that there is trouble, threats, and dangers on this road of life. And so the question, where does my help come from? And then the psalmist answers. Gives that definitive answer of verse 2. My help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The confession that we make as we come together every week again. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As we survey the dangers in this world, as we survey so many things that can threaten us, as we look to the hills and we see the danger, our eyes go above the hills. They go beyond the danger. And we confess altogether that our help is in the name of the Lord. He is our help. Is there anything that displays God's power more than his creation? He is the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of those hills. And he's the one who who governs and directs even what those hills hold. Yes, even those afflictions, even those trials, even those dangers are in his hands, in his control. It's no wonder that the new atheists attack that connection between creator and creation. They know that if they can destroy that connection for you, that you don't look to the world and see the powerful creator, that your help will be lost. Your connection with the creator will be gone. And you will not feel that security. Because if you understand that everything in this world was made by God's power at the very word of his mouth, then you must acknowledge that God, the maker of all these things, is powerful. This has always been a real source of comfort, deep comfort and perspective for God's people. We read from Isaiah 40, the people... In exile, the people with exile threatening them, they know there's trouble on the horizon or later they are in that trouble. What word of God comes to them at that time? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. God, the maker 
of heaven and earth is your helper. Those words bring deep comfort. As I lift my eyes to the hills, I see that my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But notice what happens as we go from verse 2 to verse 3. You need to notice this to really get what's going on in the psalm. Because there's a change there. Notice the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But then the voice changes. It goes from the psalmist speaking in the first person, I and my and me, to he will not let your foot slip. There's someone else talking here in verse 3. First it's the psalmist, and then someone else chimes in and fills in the details about what it means when your help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Many commentators' best guess as to what is going on here is that there was sort of a liturgical function. Someone, or maybe the whole congregation, would say, I lift up my eyes to the hills, go through verse 2. And then someone else, maybe the priest or a Levite or someone, would say, verses 3 through 8, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Someone else would fill in the details would, would bring that, that power and majesty of God in His creation and bring it right down and right near to the people. Yes, He's powerful. Yes, He's created heaven and earth. But do you know that He also watches over you? That He is also intimately interested and connected and working in your life now? When you look at what's going on in verse 2 and verse 3, and you, you can ask the question, well, why doesn't the answer start in verse 2? Why doesn't someone say, ask the question, and then it follow from there, well, your help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The question is, why does the person who has already confessed that God is the creator and that he's powerful, why do they need any more consolation? Don't they know that God is powerful? Don't they believe that he's the creator? But that is the very point. That is the very point that this psalm is bringing to us. That is the very point that the Holy Spirit is laying upon us this morning. This psalm is for you who believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth. It's for those who confess That our help is in the name of the Lord. We need to be reminded. We need to be assured that he also watches over us. That he also cares for us here and now. As we face the troubles of life. This is a psalm for the pilgrim. For the Christian on the journey. It is we who need to know that the maker of heaven and earth is also here right now caring for us, watching over us, and protecting us. Don't we need that? Don't you feel that that's true? Haven't you experienced that profoundly in your lives? Yes, you are a Christian. You believe in God. You know He's the creator of heaven and earth. But yet you come up against a trial, a struggle, a difficulty. And the the question comes to you really and truly, where is my help going to come from? 
I know God is powerful, but I cannot see how he is going to help in this situation. Or I cannot see that he is helping in this situation. We need to be soothed and reminded of God's intimate care and loving concern over our lives. And that's what verses 3 through 8 are all about, as they remind us of the completeness of God's care. If you look at verses 3 through 8 closely, you'll see that they divide quite nicely. Verses 3 and 4 are a group. Verses 5 and 6 are a group. Verses 7 and 8 are a group. And for someone like me who's trying to explain what's going on in Psalm 121, those divisions are always quite nice. You can divide them up really easily for people. But if you look at them a bit closer, you see actually it's hard to divide this up because the psalmist is saying the same thing over and over and over again. Notice in each one of those sections, he says the same thing. God watches over you. Verse 3, he watches over you. Verse 5, he watches over you. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He says the same thing three times over and over again. The Lord watches over you. And he says that for a reason. It's because that's what we need. That's what we need. We need to hear that over and over again. That the Lord watches over you. Yes, you confess that he's the maker of heaven and earth, but he watches over you. He watches over you. He watches over you. There are many things in life that we need to hear over and over again. We need to hear, I love you, from our parents. We need to hear, I'm here for you, from our friends. We need to hear, the Lord watches over you, over and over again. But yet there are three aspects that do stand out in each one of these sections. In sections three and four, you can see that what's emphasized about the Lord as he watches over you is that he doesn't sleep. He doesn't rest. There's no moment of the day. There's no time in the middle of the night. There's no point at which you are utterly exhausted that God falls asleep. You may have been going through this for a day two days, a year, 30 years. You may be at the end, but God is not. God is never overwhelmed. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is the ever wakeful, ever watchful protector. He doesn't slumber like Baal. He doesn't slumber like false gods, like idols. Do you recall the account of Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel when he ordered those two altars to be built? And he ordered that they would have a sacrifice and he would have a contest against those hundreds of Baal priests and Baal prophets. And the question would be, whose God is real? And so those Baal prophets were jumping around, they were carrying on, they were hooting and hollering, making all sorts of noise. Why? Well, Elijah taunted them, maybe your God is sleeping. Your God probably fell asleep. You need to make more noise. And what was the answer of the prophets of Baal? No, our God doesn't fall asleep. No, they said, you might be right. We're going to have to make more noise. Let's try to wake him up. And so they yelled louder. 
But how did Elijah stir his God to action? He served the God who does not sleep. He served the God who watches over you and doesn't slumber. And so when he called upon the Lord, he knew that God would hear him. He wasn't far away. He wasn't resting. He wasn't concerned with something else. He was right there with him and with his people. He made good on the words of Psalm 120. I called on the Lord in my distress and he answered me. God heard him as Elijah simply prayed to him. And for the sake of his own glory and for the sake of the good of the people to bring them to repentance, God answered and he consumed that altar. Everything on it, all the water that was all around it, everything went up in a blazing fire. And he showed to all that he was the God who slumbers not nor sleeps. He is the God who watches over you. Idle slumber. If your investment portfolio or your investment provider, advisor, is your protector, I can guarantee you that he slumbers. If you're counting on your husband to watch over you at all times, you are going to be disappointed. If you think that good health, a secure job, or the success of your children is going to keep you from all harm, then you've got another thing coming. Because idols slumber. If you put your trust in any idol, in anyone or anything other than the Almighty and Triune God, you will come to realize that they're not the one who's doing the work. They're making you do all the work while they take it easy and slumber and let you down. But the true God, the maker of heaven and earth who watches over you, the powerful God who is also here with you, he does not sleep. He is always with you. And there's more as well. The reminders of God's care just keep coming in this psalm. It says, as we go to the second part in verses 5 and 6, 6, That he himself is your protection. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. Not he will send you a shade or he will send you something to protect you. No, the Lord himself is your protector. He himself, his person. He is here with you. Just as he was for the Israelites. As they walked through the wilderness, God himself was with them. Even when they went into exile because of their sin, God himself was with them. It was because of his presence that they were safe. God does not delegate our care to someone or something else. He himself is our protector. That's emphasized here too in In the language that's being used, notice in verses 3 and 4, it's he, he, he. But then verse 5, it's the Lord. The psalmist is emphasizing that it is the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant God, who is always faithful to his people and always faithful to his promises. He is the one who is here with you. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, so that the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. 
And as you consider this, you find your strength in this. Does it not bring you right to the cross of Jesus Christ? I was trying to save the Christology to the end, but it, it's not going to wait. It has to come here. God himself is our protector. And God himself came, became one of us to be our protector. How much more clearly couldn't God show that he himself protects us and keeps us from all harm? God himself came in human flesh to finally, ultimately, and completely be our protector and save us from our greatest enemy. Ourselves. The sinfulness that lives in our hearts. The waywardness in following Satan and the world that we're so easily tempted to. Yes, Christ is our protector. He guards your life. He doesn't guard over just certain aspects of your life. There's not certain things that are in God's control and certain things that you really ought to find some other help for. No, he will keep you from all harm and he will keep you in his care to the extreme. He will protect your very life. Again, this psalm propels us forward to Jesus Christ. So much so that we'll have to consider this in the last point. As we consider the timelessness of God's care. This psalm is full of assurance and and comfort at the very same time. It really is. It's all about comforting and assuring us. But you have to acknowledge that at the same time, this psalm is deeply challenging. It's extremely challenging to your faith. Have you not thought when reading this psalm and then considering the dangers that are on the journey, the trials that pilgrims go through, the very real physical and psychological pain that we do suffer. Have you ever come face to face with the realities of life and the promises of this psalm? When you do, you realize you have quite a challenge before you. The challenge that this psalm presents to us is this. Is it true? Is it really true that God so watches over us that no harm will come to us? Sure, he's the maker of heaven and earth. In a sense, that's the easy part to believe. But the rest is more difficult. Will God keep you from all harm? Is he watching over your life? All of these things seem to fly in the face of what Christians face every day. Of what you are facing even now in your lives. I've read this psalm very often. I've read it to people in the hospital. I've read it to people going through trials. And sometimes as you're reading this psalm, you really start to wonder. A few weeks ago, when looking at 1 Corinthians 1, we noted how people are reticent to call a preacher of the gospel a fool. Well, people have also been reticent to call a preacher of the gospel a liar. But as you hear the words of this psalm, doesn't it, doesn't it come before you? 
Don't you ask yourself, is this true? This is too good to be true. This is almost preposterous. We need to consider that this morning as this psalm comes to us. Do you believe that these words are true? Sometimes this psalm seems to fly in the face of reality until, brothers and sisters, until you come to that last line. And then God, as it were, opens up the curtain for all of us to see his promises and the promises of his gospel. That last line that pulls our gaze so much wider and it focuses us, it, it makes us read this psalm in the light of the great work of Jesus Christ. He will watch over you now and forevermore. That last, in that last line, God lifts the top of our present trial, which seems to overwhelm us and surround us. From verses 2 and 3, we zoom in on God's intimate care, the care that he has for us in the moment, in this present trial. In that last verse, though, we zoom back out from this present trial to see that God cares for us both now and forevermore. And in seeing that larger perspective, the Holy Spirit shows before us draws us to see Jesus Christ and the work that he has accomplished on the cross so that we can say that God has protected us forevermore. Where is our security for all eternity? How do we know that we are always safe in God's hands? He has showed it to us. He has accomplished it for us in Jesus Christ. That's where we're safe. That's where there, there is no harm that can come to us. In Him, God works all things for our good. If it is not in Jesus Christ, then you will have no security. If it is not in Jesus Christ, then you do not have the promises of this psalm. He is in heaven. But as one Peter says, even though you do not see him, you believe in him. And even though he is not here now, you are, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy in Christ. God has accomplished your eternal salvation. He has watched over your forevermore by sending his son into this world to die for your sins. To In Christ, you have the guarantee that with the maker of heaven and earth, there is for you a safe and a secure and a glorious forevermore as his child in his love, in his kingdom that will not end. Since Jesus Christ has accomplished your salvation, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. The Israelite pilgrim who would sing these words had to live in faith that God would accomplish this. This was a call to faith for them as well, that God would accomplish this. And as they went to worship in Jerusalem, that's what everything was pointing to. The sacrifices, the temple, the city, they were all pointing forward to Jesus Christ. We need to live by faith that God has accomplished that, this. That Jesus Christ is our sacrifice. That he is our temple. And that in him we are the city of God. 
And therefore, it's a beautiful and yet a challenging psalm. And the challenge is, will you believe this message? Do you believe that God has watched over your forevermore and therefore he also watches over your now? Yes, since God protects your eternity in Jesus Christ, he also watches over your present life. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ now. Not trouble, not persecution, not famine, not sorrow, not sword. The Lord watches over you. When you are afraid, you can trust in him. What can mortal man do to you? Hear the word of God this morning. Appropriate these truths to your lives. Hear the assurance from God's word and live by faith. Journey through this life by faith. Do you trust that the Lord will protect you? Do you trust that the Lord has protected you? That the Lord is protecting you? When you see the troubles in life, know that your help truly does come from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, who watches over you. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.